0: Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 9-14-2022 and we are ready to begin our worship service. Let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength and we pray as we open your word this evening that you will give us wisdom. That you will uh, help us understand the text that is before us. Uh, We pray for those who are sick. Uh, Father, in particular, Sharice comes to mind, who is in the hospital. We pray for her uh, and uh, for her well-being. Bring her home safely. And we pray for all those who uh, are also in our group, or word is truth, or associated with word is truth, that may also be sick or in need. Father, you know the names of their of who they are. Uh, all of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, well, all right. So we're, we're right here in Romans uh, chapter 11. Our focus tonight is finishing uh, verse 20. Uh, We're almost done, we've just got a few things to talk about, and we're going to move right into verse 21 of Romans chapter 11. So uh, just to note, again, the website, if you haven't gone there, or you haven't been there in a while, come for a visit, wordistruth.com is the website, so we're going to get right to our study, and hopefully we'll have some time for some Q&A afterwards. Let's get to, um, so this is uh, Romans 11, 19 through 20, which says, You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. The greatest deterrent to our spiritual growth is our own ideas of where we think we should be going. Those who walk by faith are living by the word of God, trusting and depending on it for their direction. The spirit of truth is leading the way to tell us what the world, uh, I'm sorry, what the word means, and only then can we follow by faith. Israel lost their way and trusted their own way and trusted their own way so much that God's way didn't make sense to them anymore. The life of faith is trusting God for our direction and not to, quote, lean to our own understanding. That's Proverbs 3, 5. And so it was with Israel. They turned from the way of grace to their own way. Quote, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. That's Proverbs 18 and 2. So we covered quite a lot of the detail of these two verses, although we were just down to point number four. So, which says, And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. So this is where we... uh, Paused last time, and we're going to pick up right there so that we can get um, to these. this point number four. And you stand. This first phrase is, to stand is not a reference to our individual salvation. It is about our calling as ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation. If we uh, go to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20, that's what it says we have been given, not only are we new creation in Christ, but now we have been given uh, these ministries. Now, I just want you to take a look. I actually, I know we quoted this a lot, Second Corinthians five eighteen through twenty, and I want to. Reason why I say it's important for us to look at this is because there's a little something here that I want to make sure we we see. So in seventeen it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. The old is Adam. We're the new creation. Adam is the old creation, just to note. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself in through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, get this point we are a new creation in Christ. The fact that we're a new creation is not necessarily a part of our salvation. God's been saving people since Adam and the woman in the garden when they sinned. God has been saving people, but none of them have been in Christ. So part of the post-salvation work of God for the church for those in this age is that we are a new creation so it's not just about the fact that oh you were lost and now you're saved no we're in Christ and in Christ Christ is the last adam and so either you're in the first adam or you're in the last adam for those in this age that are part of the new creation we're in the last adam that that is a key point to note Many people have interpreted 2 Corinthians 5.17 as just, well, you're saved, right? You're a new creation in Christ. And that means you have salvation. The old is gone, the new has come. That means you don't do the same old things you used to do. You got a new attitude, a new way of walking, a new way of talking, on and on. You know, they make all sorts of quips about it. But it's not referring to that at all. We're not in Adam anymore. We're in Christ. So to understand that from that perspective, then you read 18, which says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we should know that while we're in this age, we're not just causing people to be saved and some of them land in Israel, some of them are Gentiles, and some of them are, you know, something else are in the church. No, if somebody's saved in this age, they are a new creation in Christ. So while we are ambassadors for Christ, and obviously the door of salvation is in view there. A the person have to be saved before they can Walk through that door and, and see what's on the other side. For us, we're a new creation. This new entity that God created is a part of what he's referring to in 2 Corinthians 5. right? If anybody in this age believes in Christ, they're going to be in the church. So on the one hand, we could look at this as just about salvation. And that would be one way to say, okay, if you're in Christ, you're saved, you're in the church, or you're in this new creation. But really, it's more than that, because this is where God is calling out those many sons into glory. Obviously, they have to come through the gospel. That is key. Now, we can play a role in helping God. He's given us this ministry, that's what it says, in 18, he's gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's, he's giving us the opportunity to help people come to Christ. But not just come to Christ, but be new creations in Christ. Think about it that way. In verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Being reconciled to God in this age... Lands you right there in verse 17, where it says you're part of the new creation. So don't just look at, oh, I'm just giving the gospel to people. Well, the moment a person believes in Christ, the baptism of the Spirit happens for them. And they are baptized into the body of Christ. Just think about all that simultaneously happening. Now, of course, you don't run around telling people that, oh, you know, you're going you're gonna to be a new creation in Christ and never before seen. You're not going to be a Jew or a Gentile and you start telling them all about the church age. No, that's not it. It's about salvation. You tell them about salvation. That's what they can understand. Those other things, those other details would belong to the deeper things of God. So those things will happen, but we should know what's at stake here they're just not going to be saved now saved is grand in and of itself but they're going to be ushered into the body of Christ so I just wanted to make that point right so when it says that you stand by faith do not be arrogant but tremble well our standing is about that responsibility that has been given to us as ambassadors as ministers of reconciliation Right. That's, that's what he's referring to there, not our individual salvation. Point B, uh, and you stand by faith again. And without faith, we should note, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews 6. Uh, so when we think about faith in this sense of not only uh, what, what I'm referring to here as our calling, Because it's not just we stand by faith. We stand by our faithfulness. That's what's important. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. God is requiring for our calling. It's not just that we say, okay, I believe it. I believe that I have the calling. One time and then you just, that's good for God. God says, no, I need you to be faithful when it comes to the calling you have received. Think about Israel. At first, they had to be saved, and that's where they failed. Many of them have failed at salvation. They reject grace. So then, of course, how could they campaign for God, for the grace of God, when they themselves, they themselves haven't accepted the grace of God? So, standing by faith means that you are faithful. And we know it is impossible God works when it comes to faith. So diligently seeking God, God rewards those who diligently seek him. So he's not talking really about saving faith in that verse in Hebrews 11. He's talking about those who have been faithful to God. Now, I'm not saying saving faith is, is not a part of it at all. Because obviously all those in Hebrews 11 who did those things for God were saved. And they were saved by grace through faith. There's no doubt about it. They were not saved by grace through faithfulness. But they were saved by grace through faith. So there's two different things I just want to point out. If you had not seen it, hopefully you have. Point C. Our calling, and here's another point about that. Our calling is accepted by faith, but our commitment is confirmed by our faithfulness. Right? So we have to say, God, I believe, I trust that you have given me this calling. I I, I see that that scripture that we just read in Second Corinthians five, which talks about we have anybody who's in Christ, a new creation, we have been given this ministry, or we are ambassadors. Standing in God's shoes to tell people the gospel. So I can understand that, that you have given this. These scriptures are there. I trust in the fact that you have obligated me in this way. I I trust that. And now it requires a commitment. It's not just to say, well, that's great, God. Uh, If I feel like it, I'll I'll, I'll accept it or or I'll do it. If, If I want to, I'll do it. Maybe I will and maybe I won't. Well, accepting the fact that God has called you in this manner requires a commitment from you. And a commitment is confirmed by faithfulness. Faithfulness is doing the same thing every time, right? When, when a, the opportunity presents itself, when God puts you in the opportunity to tell uh, people about the grace of God, to speak to people and tell them that God is not counting their sins against them, to tell them the gospel, you step forward and you present the gospel. You're faithful. Right? God can count on you to do that. Right? That's what faithful means. And we should know that it is not a matter of, okay, so once you're done, God just pats you on the head and says, good job. you know. No, at the end of our lives, we will be evaluated. There will be a judgment. To determine what our faithfulness was, whether our faithfulness and growing up in Christ, our faithfulness and being ambassadors, uh, those who are ministers of reconciliation, we're going to be judged to determine whether or not we will receive rewards. We should know that. Hopefully, Uh, maybe if I haven't stated that, then you should know. Okay, so point. In our notes, and that's a key key point here. Our, our calling is accepted by faith, but our commitment is confirmed by our faithfulness. Point D, the Gentiles, that is the church, have a we have a responsibility before God. That is what it says uh, in our chapter in Romans 11, where God is trying to tell us that we're filling in Israel's shoes. <clears throat> now it's important that we understand that we are only filling in. Israel is there are the natural branches and all that, right? But we'll get to that even more as it goes, as it comes up in the context. But point C, our calling is accepted by. No, I'm sorry. Point D, the Gentiles or the church have responsibility before God. They have been given a trust, and quote. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust. Must prove faithful. Now I should warn you that that is by application. I just want to make sure you know that what is being said there in First Corinthians four two is really a reference to ministers. It, it is about ministers and their calling right before God. So the fact that God has given you the uh, the gift of pastor teacher teacher, pastor, then that is a gift that requires responsibility on your part, right? We just talked about it, commitment, uh, you know, where you're faithful to it. And this is what it says. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. faithful. Prove faithful means to demonstrate that you are faithful. And... And it even goes further, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Verse five, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart at that time each will receive their praise from God. That's the reward. Right? So, so that, it's interesting to note, right? We're not judging each other. Like, we don't know what motives we have in our heart. And all of that matters in terms of our faithfulness, our commitment before God for what responsibility he has placed on our shoulders. It is important that, that we respond to God in that respect. Right? So it's required. Right. If we talk about stewardship; those things that God has put in our lap that says, "Here, here's what I would like you, where I would like you to be faithful to me. I would like you to be a steward over the things that you have received, the assets that I've given you to provide, so that you could um, perform the duties that I want you to perform." And we call that faithfulness or stewardship. Or God has given us a trust. So that, those things are, are things that we should know. Uh, we've been talking about the fact that we've been given this ministry and we're ambassadors. Well, we do have to talk about what it requires, and that is trust, faithfulness toward those things. Uh, many people have not accepted the responsibility that is involved in being an ambassador for God. They haven't. So it is something for us to note, right? make sure that we don't just talk about the fact of it, but we talk about the responsibility of it. Point E, yes, it is a blessing for God to partner with us in the work of the gospel. And that's 1 Corinthians nine sixteen and 17, which I'm sure we, we have already covered, but I just wanted you to read it again. 1 Corinthians nine sixteen and 17. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now, how, why was Paul compelled to preach the gospel? Is that just a motivation that he himself has? No. It's God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, in the Apostle Paul, motivating him, compelling him to preach. Now, Paul could, as he says in verse 17, if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. There, the reward we talked about, because he's going to be judged, and at that, that time, don't judge anything before the time we read all that. But notice this, if not voluntarily, then what, what is that? I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. So there it is again. So he's saying, I still have a job to do. My attitude in the job matters. <laughs> Preferably, you would have the right attitude, which means I'm compelled to preach. I want to preach. When I see an opportunity, I don't just slowly move forward. I jump at the opportunity to be able to preach the good news and to, to, to fulfill my role as ambassador, to, as a minister, to help others come to know Christ because not only do they come to know Christ, but they're going to be in this particular age, this unique age, the moment they believe in Christ. They're in the church age. So, um, so and it goes on further, what is my, what is my reward? But we're, we're going to move forward in our notes here. We're at point F now. Remember, <clears throat> when, we are, when we see blessing, this is another thing to remember. When we see blessing, we must also understand it to be responsibility to God so that there will be, and and there will be a judgment. Now, we already know, we already talked about in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body. That's important to note. Now, we see the word blessing and we we have to really be transformed in our thinking when it comes to this because the world the christian world today is looking at uh we're doing everything to get blessings right We're, we're working hard we're doing. We're being obedient, so God will give us blessings. But what is blessings? Well, God will give me money. He will give me that job I've been looking for. He will. He will make my life easier here in the world if I just do this and do that. Then I, maybe I'll get that business I wanted to get. Maybe I, I'll. I'll get that. Whatever it is that I think is good for me, that's what we have uh, coined in terms of blessing. We think, oh, blessing is whatever's good for me. But you know what? That's not what blessing is. And we've discussed this before. I just want to reiterate that blessing here, if God has elevated you to a a certain position, like he has us, he's raised us higher than uh, principalities, powers, any title that can be named and this and that. He didn't just say, well, how's the air up there? No, he's raised you there for a purpose. It is not about you. It's about God's eternal purpose and what role he assigned you. And, and that is why, why you've been blessed. Where well, it says in Ephesians 1.3, where it talks about he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Well, there it is again. That's referring to our role. If you go to the very next verse, for he chose us in him. He, we were predestined, adopted right for this particular role. We, we should understand that it is not a matter of, well, we're just throwing money up in the air and we'll just have all the money. We will be rich. We will we'll have all the things we want on earthly, on this earthly realm. It is not that. We'll, we'll be healed and we won't have any sickness, any disease and all these things that people are talking about today, about when they're blessed and they're searching for blessing. Oh, well, your blessing's coming. Don't you worry. It's coming. Just keep on being faithful. You just keep being faithful. God's going to give you your... That is not what blessing is about. I would hope that we understand and we remember and reorient our thing and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because you're going to be responsible at the end. It's coming where you're going to be Judged. And you're going to say, well, why am I being judged? Well, you've been blessed. <laughs> you've got, you got this responsibility now. An example I, I love to give is, is Joseph in the Old Testament. He was, he was blessed. He was raised all the way to the second person in Egypt, which is the highest. Imagine that. There was Pharaoh and then there was Joseph right there. He had, and, jo- and Pharaoh's like, you know what? I'm stepping back. I'm going to let you handle the whole thing, Joseph. And Joseph wasn't there just to be like, well, give me, you know, fan me and just let me labor back in the lounge and let me just eat grapes and, and that's it. And, and, and figs, just let this slaves just feed me all that. No, it, it's not about that at all. Joseph had work to do. He had to get up and go to work. He had to prepare. He had to plan for all this, the seven years of famine, and then, or, or first the seven years of plenty, and then the seven years of famine. Distributing the food and making sure all that was on his shoulders. Responsibility. Was he blessed? He was blessed. Yes, he was. And that's what it means responsibility. I, I, I hope. That's enough conversation about that so that we do not look for blessings that way. That we do understand there's responsibility there. Point G. Point G in our notes. Do not be arrogant. God has equipped us with knowledge and the assets to be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ. So the fact that God puts us in the ministry. He doesn't just say, oh, you, 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 and you, you're all in the ministry. He gives us what we need in order to be in the ministry. Whatever Israel needed for their role, God gave them. Whatever we need for the role that we have as church-age believers, God provides that for us. He gives us the assets we need to perform what we need to do. There's no doubt about it. So you get getting these assets, like Israel got those assets, but instead of them seeing that they were they had a responsibility before God, they became arrogant. What I'm saying is, we do not want to do that in the church. Right now, he's not talking about Israel, he's talking about the church. He says, know, you're in this role, be careful. Don't become arrogant. Don't think, oh, well, you know... Doesn't really matter what I do. I'm called. I'm chosen. I'm special before God. I'm uh. Uh-uh. Make sure you understand your responsibility. You've been promoted to be a minister here. That means you're going to serve others. You're going to look and see what they need when it comes to the gospel, and you want to serve them. You don't lord it over anybody when it comes to this. This is do not this do not be arrogant here. He's given us everything we need. 2 Timothy 2.15, you know what it says. It's a common verse. It says this, 2 Timothy 2.15. Do, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Why do I give this verse? It's because I want people to understand that when you're talking about minister of reconciliation, ambassador for Christ, you need to understand the gospel inside out, up and down. Just like when we were talking about the deep things of God, and they talked about we were talking about the, the commitment, the devotion we needed to that we needed to have that love. And then it spoke about that love, that we may know the height, the depth, the width, and the length, right? the dimension. So in the same way, you need to know, if you're going to perform in your role as ambassador for Christ, then you need to know the height, the depth, the width, and the length of what it takes to be an ambassador. Don't just think, oh, that's what I am. That's what God says I am. But no, it requires... That you allow the spirit of truth to help you know the ins and the outs of what the gospel is. All the information about it is there in scripture for us. But it does require that you're faithful to learning those things. Being cognizant and aware of where the scripture says it. How to handle, how to answer every person and all of that. The wisdom that is required to talk to people. To help them understand and lead them to the person of Christ. So you've been given a tremendous responsibility. Just think about that. So we don't want, want to take that for granted. Be rightly dividing the word of truth. Point H. Don't be arrogant, but tremble. So that is the word, the Greek word for beo. And it means to frighten. That is passively to be alarmed—that's that, these are meanings that you will get for that word by analogy. To be in awe uh, to be in awe of—that is revere. That is the main thought here. Be afraid or fear exceedingly. Reverence. These are these are some of the ways that word can be translated. So here, I would say it means uh, to be in awe of. That is to revere or reverence. It doesn't mean to be scared of God, to be afraid. It's not referring to that. The word can can be used in that way, but it is also used in the other way, which has to do with reverence and um, and, and, and awe of, as it says here. So that's, imagine, I, I can't make you have that. But as you accept the responsibility of that and the spirit of truth helps you to understand the importance of what God has called you to, then you start to understand the important position you're in and, and that you understand the, the, the magnitude of, of how giving the gospel to somebody will bring them into the church age. You're ambassadors for Christ, for this new creation. Imagine that because that's what 2 Corinthians 5 was talking about in 17. It talking about the new creation. New creation is not just about salvation. It's about this church, this new entity that God created to, where these are he's where he's calling out these many sons in the glory. This information was hidden prior. It was not revealed to Israel. But yet, we're ambassadors and we got to bring them to the door of salvation so that they can walk through there to realize their calling. Alright, so that was point H, I believe. We talked about uh, but tremble. Don't be arrogant, but tremble. Point I, remember, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. That's verse 18 uh, in Romans 11. So, so what, there's another reason not to be arrogant, right? So it's because uh, you, you this thing is not based on you. You are filling in for Israel, right? You're you're here temporarily, right? This is not the job that you were called to do. You were called, and you're not even of this world. We are not of the world any more than Christ is of the world. Well, where's Christ? He's not here. He's not in the world anymore. He's gone. We are identified with him in his glorified humanity. And, and where is he? He's sitting at the right hand of God. He's waiting till his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. He's sitting there, waiting till the Father finishes calling out those many sons into glory. Then, the tribulation, and then the second coming. So, um, we do not support the rule. This is not. We're filling in for a role that was not designed for us. It was designed for Israel. So don't think, don't get the big head and think that, oh, well, all of this depends on me. No, no, no. This is, you're filling in. Point J. Why do we have reverence and awe before God who who gave us this responsibility? Verse 21. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. That's the verse we're going to be heading into. Well, I just wanted to point that out, right? So we should have an awesome respect for God because we saw what happened to Israel. We we witnessed Israel's failure, and we saw what God did. He judged them severely. Now, I wouldn't want us to think, oh, you know, this that wasn't a big deal. No, it was a big deal. We have that object lesson before us, and. Our objective is to make sure that as that is before us, that we respect fact. God will and can judge us when we step out of line, or we walk in the very footsteps of disobedience that they were walking in. So it's important that we have that awe and respect before God. Right? He's the one that gave us the responsibility, Point K in our notes. Will God act in the church as he did with Israel? <laughs> yes, he will, obviously, and there's a few scriptures I'll point you to and then we're going to move to verse 21. So let's go to Revelation. Will God do the same thing in the church? Let's look at some of these verses. Revelation 2:5 first. And we'll go right down the line. Revelation two five. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The lampstand means that they will no longer be representing God in this world. God is saying, I will take, and now this is collectively as a church. He will remove that church. They do not, represent him anymore verse 16 verse 16 repent therefore otherwise i will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth again it was it's more uh, where christ is going to discipline those who are in this particular church this is pergamum right? he's now we know whatever he says here We're not referring to them losing their salvation because there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. We know that nothing can separate them from the love of God, which is in Christ. And if they believe, yes, they have succeeded when it comes to salvation. Well, obviously, based on some of the things they're doing, they are failing. But God is saying there's point in time where, you know, you could repent. You could change your mind about your behavior and turn, turn it around. Yeah, because notice, it, even though I'm giving you the ones here that deal with judgment, I'm also I'm omitting the ones that are dealing with reward. In each of these churches, there is reward and there is judgment. Just like we spoke about, right? There's going to be a reward. There's a responsibility, right? For those who fulfill that responsibility, there's a reward. But if not, then you're, you're walking in the footsteps of disobedient Israel and there's going to be judgment. So, it was verse 23. Verse 23 says, um, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches the hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Sounds very reminiscent of what God did in Israel. he, He can do this. And again, striking them dead does not mean they're lost. I know it's rough language, but if you look at Israel, this is why a lot of people think salvation is by works, because they saw how God dealt with Israel when it came to their calling. And uh, so in, in their minds, it, it, the whole thing is about salvation. They don't see the difference between the calling that a person has and the salvation that they have. Right? Salvation is believing in Christ. It is no works involved in salvation. Right? None. It's a gift. But then the responsibility that is placed upon those who are believers in this world depends on their calling. Right? That's so obviously with Israel, but now we're dealing with the church. What will God do? Well, he's telling you right here. According to their deeds. Right, That's not salvation. Salvation, there's no deeds required for that. Just to pointing out these things. Okay, so that was verse 23. Now I'm going to 3.2, uh, Revelation 3, verse 2. Wake up, <laughs> strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. In other words, God has given them warning here. Wake up! I I like that one because sleeping is a a reference to not only physical death, but it's it's carnality. If you go in Ephesians where he talks about, wake up, sleeper, Uh, you know, that is a reference to people who are involved in carnality. So is drunkenness is another a uh, way it talks about a person, a believer that is, who's in carnality. Uh, he, he's living by his sin nature, right? Even though it's not his nature anymore, he's given to it. Uh, and then there's, that's verse, that's three two, And then there's 3.16, 3.16. So because you are lukewarm, obviously, you know that's Laodicea, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. There it is, judgment. uh, Lukewarm believers, Uh, they're not hot, they're not cold. Uh, They're nauseatingly revolting to God. He's going to vomit them out of his mouth. That's not loss of salvation. This is tough language, all right. But it needs to be tough because it's going to be... Some This is not just words, these are actions that God will discipline those who believe in him. No doubt about it. And then, verse 19, those whom I love, here it is, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. So now, he's telling you, these are believers, again. And he loves us. And what's he going to do? He's going to rebuke. When needed, he's going to be give discipline. When needed, so don't. So, what should be your uh, posture in all of this? Be earnest and repent. Right? Have the humility to accept what the consequences of our actions are. It could be rewards. It could be if you're falling off. It could be uh, discipline. So he's saying, be earnest and repent. So that concludes um, what we covered in 19 and 20. And so we're going to move right into verse uh, 21, which is this week. Now, of course, we won't have time as it is. We're going to save some time for some Q&A, as we normally do. But we won't have time... To get into but we're going to read the intro for this and then next week we'll come back and deal with uh, the phrases here so uh, and you, you still have in your notes verse 21 Romans 11 21 for if God did not spare the natural branches he will not spare you either as we discovered in the text salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious That's Romans 11, 11. Why would Israel be envious? After all, they rejected Jesus as their Messiah. It is because the honor and distinction of our call to this ministry belonged to them. That should have been their job, in other words. This was their responsibility, and they did not accept the obligation given to them. Not only that, it was also clear that God is now working through the church. We know that. Everybody knew that because of the signs, the wonders, and the miracles given by the Spirit that help people understand the direction of God. However, God has not abandoned those Jews individually. It was, quote, in the hope that I might somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them, unquote. That's Romans 11:14. Just as Israel failed and proved unfaithful to their call, we could expect God to judge them. Now, what do you think God will do if the church does not properly handle their responsibility before God? I th- we kind of answered that in the previous verse, but that's fine. We will continue with that thought because obviously the verse before us is talking about us. He will certainly not spare us. He certainly will not. But this is a point where we'll pause, we'll stop, and uh, think about if there are questions. Uh, this is our opportunity is your opportunity to raise what is on your mind. I will pause.
1: Hi, this is Dwight. I just wanted to um, basically point out that there are, from what I'm understanding, that there are different levels or different areas of... um, of uh, correction. Uh, yes, you pointed out that, that this is to be taken seriously. Look at all the object examples that we have with um, the Hebrews, the, you know, the Jews in the desert and all kinds of things going on, um, being overcome by other nations. And um, yet the Christians can be disciplined the same way, but we also have the judgment seat of Christ where uh, rewards or lack of rewards
0: or uh, handed out is that right that is right Um, so we should note that the discipline happens in time so uh, we we won't get disciplined at the judgment seat of christ but what we won't get is rewards right you might have thought you were going to get rewards so it could be tremendously disappointing but you're right we won't we won't, or, or I don't know if that's what you're saying, but no, you, you won't get any uh, discipline at the judgment seat of Christ. But you will get discipline as we already saw in time, right? God will deal with you. Just like he, he didn't tell Israel, oh, I'll get you later, don't you worry. I'm, I saw what you did, I'm going to get you. No, he got them at when he needed to, right? In time. So it is about uh, in time, not at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, So, but that's a point to make, right? But I'm not sure if that was your point. Was it?
1: Yeah, it was kind of like a point and a question (laughs) at the same time. I wanted to verify that that's the case. And yes, I can see there are two different things. We're not talking about punishment at the judgment seat of Christ. We're talking about rewards. Yes. Um, But we know from... Uh, the passage in I can't, I can't remember the chapter. What is Second Corinthians chapter three talks about? You um, will be saved, but as though by through fire.
0: Yeah, well, it's First Corinthians um, three. Yeah, and you're right. It talks about um, and he's referring to ministers who are ministering in the church and uh, people investing them with all sorts of glory. Paul says, hey, hang on, each man's work will be shown up for what it is, for the day will declare it, and each man's work will be tried. Uh, We'll have to go through the fire. The fire will test every man's work to see what quality it is. If it stands, if what he has built survives, notice he has built something. If it survives, the judgment of scrutiny Mm -hmm. of God he, that man, will receive a reward. But if it does not, uh, he will not receive a reward. But his all that he built will be burned up. In other words, he'll be disappointed because he spent his life doing things, but he didn't do them according to the way God would have had him do them. So that that's the First Corinthians three passage. But then. Uh, I thought you were referring to the fact that it, it is individual as well as collective. And that is a point that we have in 2D. There can be individual judgment as well as collective. So when we read the seven churches, we read of the churches being judged. God is going to come down on that church. Cause he's right to the pastor to the, to the angel of the church so and so write these words right he's talking to the church and so as a church if you're not faithful to god for you according to the calling that we have you god could remove you now a church might c- continue to go on in false doctrine and, and wrong motivation uh, false uh, dispensationally incorrect or and they will continue to go on preaching whatever it is they're preaching, but God will judge them if they're not doing what is right. He will remove his influence, his presence from them. So uh, that's a thought to make, uh, a point to make. But there is also individual judgment. And we already read that, which we're going to cover more in detail in 1 Corinthians 11, 29 through 32, where it talks about for this cause, many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Uh, so, so there's a couple of different ways people can be judged. Uh, and that's discipline. And if you read a little further down, it's talking about discipline. I will pause, your thoughts.
1: One more note about the lampstand um, in in light of what we see as a reality. Um, in this nation and nations all over the globe, there are various denominations um, that call themselves Christians in one way or another. And yet their practice is far from... Um, it's, it's teaching the word of truth. It's far from you know, what the what an accurate representation of God would be. So I would think that there are many, many um, churches that are lukewarm, and uh, Christ would want us to spit them out. Um, and yet they seem to prevail in this world.
0: Yeah, God is very
1: peaceful, so isn't He? We know we have those enemies, that...
0: No, I was just going to say, God is very patient, isn't he? uh, There's a biblical word for long-suffering. Even if I look in the Revelation passage, look at this one. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So... These are, This is the condition of the church. And what I would say to you is, when you, we can't evaluate the churches. See, because we, just like Christ says, I'm, uh, I know your thoughts, right? I know your deeds. I know, you know, I. We can't say that because we don't have the capacity to look inward. As and we can obviously the outward appearance, right? But but God knows the motivations going on there. He's the one who can properly judge. But we can only see what we see. And um, sure, we can make judgments about it. But uh, only God can know. Now, but what ends up happening is Satan has a competing entity that he created. It's called religion. Whereas all the life, blood, and... the life source of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are gone from a church, and they're a dead church. And and yet, religion bolsters them up, gives, makes them feel like they uh, are, you know, doing God's will. And there could be unbelievers in the church, and yet, this is, this is a part of what religion does. It denies that Jesus is the Christ. It denies grace. When you, there are a lot of churches, when you go in there, they don't even teach salvation by grace. They don't teach the gospel. That's very reminiscent of what Israel did. Uh, they didn't believe the gospel themselves, so obviously they didn't teach it. So um, it's, there's a landscape out there of casualties, churches that are fledgling, uh, you know, but we are not in a position to judge. Uh, all, all I would say is, uh, if somebody needs the gospel and we know it, then it is our uh, objective to give it to them, just like Paul said. Uh, that's He felt obligated to do that. Yeah. I'll pause. I'll probably cut you off, I'm sure. Go right ahead.
1: No, I, th- I think you
0: addressed it very well. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the, the questions. Uh, I'll just put it out there for one more time before we close. I know our time is moving toward 9.30, so other thoughts? All right. We're going to close then. All right, let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father. We're as we are sitting here thinking about the calling we have received, and we're first thankful that you put us in the ministry, that you gave us uh, the opportunity to serve you in this world. Uh, it is an awesome responsibility that carries with it eternal consequences for those who believe in Christ and those who reject Christ. We thank you for putting us in this service and not only that, but our own salvation. We can just thank you that we are saved by grace. And, and it is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not from works, from the source of works so that no one could boast. And that is the gospel that we wanna to take to the world. We want to let them know that God is not counting their sins against them and that you have a solution to the sin problem, and that is the atonement provided by Christ. Father, we thank you for this church. We thank you for those who have uh, dedicated themselves to attending here week after week. Uh, We recognize their commitment and their sacrifice, and we thank you. Uh, so much for their spirit. And uh, Father, we pray for those who are sick among us as we continue. um, I can think of Sharice again and Fred as they are going through whatever procedures. We pray that you would give them comfort, that you would heal them, that you would bring them uh, to a place where they feel whole, Father. All this we ask in Christ's name for his sake. Amen. Amen.